Turn it up. You're listening to Live and Loud with the Lord, Nelson. That is. I'm Truman to my sophomore year. Later it spells. Some player hating teacher said I'd never excel. Had my first hit song in the 10th grade. Used to block down the corridors when hit cast whisper. You paid. Boredom though eventually led up to truancy. Getting stacks to talk shit on tall was new to me. I'm from Lambert with thugs. Get more respect than a college grad. The past math class need a lot of cash. Attention shorter than a minute. Born sending hit no chicks. Loving this life, I'm caught up until I was introduced to this chick called Bass. And yo, the time we spent together, I could never erase. Life get the turn for the worst. The glass chick had me obey on my thirst. Visions of myself laying in a hearse till I paid the price. Skating on ice for chains to pipe dreams. Just another day in the life of a fiend. I blew more dough than most adults see in a lifetime at 18. They have to chase rainbow like the A team. I was. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you know who it is. It's the big guy with the big show. Yes, indeed. It is the Lord. Nelson, that is, for the podcast Live and Loud with the Lord on the CMS Network with five Royals Entertainment. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, once again, I have a super, super special guest. This young man right here is beyond... Ooh, I, I don't know. Let me let me just try to find the words to describe the greatness of this young man because I'm telling you, he's on another level. He's he's one of the fourth, the, the, the founders, the, the foundation of what this hip-hop is that most of us listen to and most of us love. Now, not most of us, the world loves because it is, it is bled into every other music that's out there. So uh, he's one of those ones that we got to salute him. And I'm not going to run my mouth like this, but I just want to big him up and say, say a few things about him because this young man was once one of the founding members of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. His vocals were smooth with a melodic tone that complemented the other more aggressive MCs of the group so well. I'm honored to have him here, and we're going to have a great conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, now I would like to welcome to the Live and Loud with the Lord podcast, Raheem, yeah. Let me clap you up, my brother. Yo, what it is, bro? <laughs> it's, your, it's your world, man, and I, and I just thank you so much for being here, man. Really appreciate you. So, first question I always like to start off with is, where are you from, young man? I'm from the Bronx, New York. Boogie down. Yes, yes sir. <laughs> so, did your parents and siblings have a love for music like you? Uh, they all did have a love for music, uh, but not the way that I did. Um, my mom, uh, she sung like in everything she did, like uh, housework or whatever. She was always singing and yeah. she had a really uh, angelic voice, although she never um, that I know of tried to pursue being an artist or anything like that. Right. But uh, but she had a good voice. And um, and then one of my uncles, um, my mom's one of my mom's brothers was in a doo wop group, and um, and I and I sing as well. So right, right. Uh, I would be in little groups or whatever, and we would get in talent shows. And my uncle Sam, my uncle Sammy would come to my house and like act like a drill sergeant or like my man from the Five Heartbeats 
uh, that that instructed them in the uh, yeah, choreography. Yeah. So that's what my uncle Sammy would do to me and my little brother Andre, and uh, he would make us do steps to choreograph uh, dance steps to like Blue Magic songs and you know the Temptations and stuff like that. And he always said, you know, if you're not doing the same steps as the Pips, you ain't doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was real with it. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, so, but um, but I had a a, a deep love and respect for for James Brown, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever we would have house parties at uh, our our apartment, uh, and my mom got tired of being the DJ, she <laughs> would play James Brown songs and right. have me come out and do all of his dances and wow. then play Marvin Gaye's songs and I'd sing uh, Marvin Gaye's songs. So, uh, man, yeah. man, you, you're truly yeah. speaking about a, a, a childhood filled with beautiful music, man, and, and you just just named two of the, ooh. <laughs> right. right, Indeed, I got wow. you. So, so music is something that I need and I want every day. I, I gotta have it, man, and I listen to everything. So, so in, in what way does music speak to you? Well, um, not only am I uh, a rap artist, mm-hmm. uh, and I I don't really regard myself as a singer. Mm-hmm. I just have the ability to sing a lot of what I want to hear. Right. Um. And um. But but I'm a musician. And so the first uh, instrument that I learned how to play was tenor saxophone. Okay. I played that, I played that in junior high school in the band. Yeah. And, um, and then I found a key uh, in the hallway in my high school. And um, I had a feeling that it went to a classroom door. Mm-hmm. So I tried it on every classroom door to <laughs> a classroom door it unlocked. And it happened to be the piano room. Wow! So every time um, they, every time I would have gym, and they would be engaging in a sport that I didn't feel like participating in, like volleyball, mm-hmm. um, I would cut that class, and I would sneak into the piano room and lock myself in, and turn the lights out and pull down the shades. And so I taught myself how to play the piano in the dark. Do you? <clears throat> let me say this, man. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Now, go ahead and finish, because that, you know, I'm very visual. So I'm visualizing all that, man, and, and just the fact that you took that key to find out which door it opened, the fact that you went in there to cut class or, or whatever was PE or whatever, to, don't want to yep. play volleyball, to go in there, turn the lights off, and learn. that just speaks to a, a, a love of music. It speaks to a higher power calling you and, and, and telling you something, man. That's beautiful, man. Exactly. I didn't mean to cut you off because you were rolling with no, me. No, no. That, 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 that just got to me. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and you know, then uh, I started uh, messing around with the guitar. So I just recently bought a guitar. So now I'm practicing and uh, teaching myself how to play guitar. So I saw that, right? You're playing the guitar and I'm, you're, you're better than me. So my uh, bandmate, uh, I'm in a band called Plastic Catastrophe with Lord Nelson. It's a rap uh, metal band. And oh, um, yeah. And so I used to be in another one called Stuck Mojo also, which was way bigger. But this is my new stuff. But anyway, they gifted me a guitar because I've been talking about it for the long, longest time. So 
right behind me back there. You know, I got it up there, and I've, I've worked on it. But one thing I found out is, you know, being an MC, and you go to try to play these things, I was just like, guitar is not easy, man. It takes no, work. It's not. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta live with it, and, yes. and you know, if you if you don't constantly pick it up, you know, obviously. The, the longer it's going to take you to pick it up. 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, uh, you, you definitely have to build up the calluses on your fingers mm -hmm. in order to sustain holding down the strings right. to be able to get the notes out in the first place. Right, so right. That in, in and of itself is challenging. Yes, and sir. then, you know, and then you need to learn the fret. So <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of that simultaneously. Hey man, I'm with you on it, man. I'm 100, man. But I saw that. That's love, though, because you you're already. I see where you have progressed, man. That's nice, no doubt, no doubt. Thank you. Yes, so you are definitely a pioneer, an icon, a legend, and I don't say those things lightly. I mean that in hip hop. So what was that energy like in the Bronx when hip hop called you to it? You kind of spoke on it a little bit, but what was that hip hop energy like, man? Well, so around that time in the Bronx, uh, in the mid late 70s uh the bronx streets were rampant with gangs mm. um and uh i wasn't in a gang but uh the gangs surrounded the neighborhood that i lived in right and so um i did everything that i could to not be in a gang oh. and um it just so happens that one of the big or not one of the biggest gang in all of New York City called the Black Spades. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Bronx, home of the Yankees, the birthplace of hip hop, and the Black Spades. The biggest, most notorious, and fair gang in New York City, Black Spades. There was no other name for the Black Spades but the Black Spades. And any other name Anyone who tells you that is telling you a falsehood. We are Black Spades, Young Spades, Baby Spades, Rapporteur Spades, Outlaw Spades, White Spades, Savage Spades. There's so many spades we had back then. We had our spades jacket, the denim jacket back in the days. We cut the sleeves off. Some of them will have the heart, some will have the skull, some will have the dagger in the spade. I had the spade with the dagger through, with the blood dripping off, with the red colors, and, and it, the jacket probably was about five pounds. <laughs> I had a fur collar on my, right? I had red, black, and green, because I was real militant. All right, to the day, I'm so militant. We wore the glory stomper boots. We also had a crew that, that did the boot dance. Uh, from Bronx River Projects, uh, they're, they're, one of their territories was a few blocks away from where I lived. I right. lived in a project called Lambert Houses. Mm -hmm. um, and our, well, actually it wasn't a project. It was just a, a duplex apartment complex. Okay. But, but the people that lived in it treated it like the project. <laughs> right. How about that? Okay. So now Bronx River Houses, uh, that was a project. Mm -hmm. And so the division of the Black Spades that Bambada, Africa Bambada, was in, uh, came from that projects, and they would the the Black Spades and the Baby Spades, the younger faction right. of Black Spades, would come around my block, Lambert houses, and rob everything wow. and everybody. Wow. Okay. So the reason why they didn't rob me 
was because I was good friends with a dude named Davey Waters. Mm-hmm. And Davey Waters and his older brother, who we call Wild Man Steve, <laughs> uh, they were both from Bronx River, but they moved to Lambert Houses. Got you. So, um, uh, that's why they they wouldn't rob me because I was cool with them and they were gotcha. from Bronx River. So the baby spades, when they would come to Lambert Houses to rob everybody, they would ride their bicycles over to Lambert Houses. And the path that they would that they would take had a lot of broken bottles and stuff and rocks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them would catch flat tires by the time they got to my neighborhood. Right. So <clears throat> instead of robbing me, they would sun me or herb me or punk me <laughs> by bringing their bicycles to my my room door because we had a duplex apartment. And uh, even though the entrance to get in our apartment was on the fourth floor, mm-hmm. if you came to the fifth floor and walked to the end of the hallway and knocked on the last door on the right, that was my room. Okay. So, once they, so once they found that out, they would bring their flat tires straight to my room door and call me by my government name because they didn't know I was I started rapping yet. Right. Uh, and my and I was calling myself Raheem. So to them, my name was Todd. So they'd be like, yo, Todd, fix Cecil's flat, fix Little D's flat, fix Dolan's flat. And so at first I was like, yo, what the F I look like? Flat fix? I ain't fixing no flats. And they was like, yo, homie, we a whole gang. And you one little ass, and we that ass, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I, I, and my older brothers were all incarcerated, so I fixed flats for like two consecutive summers. Wow. Uh, 1976 and 1977. But the summer of 1978 was when I joined my first rap rap group, mm-hmm. and that rap group happens to be legendary as well. Um, they are known as the, the whole the whole conglomerate is known as the Brothers Disco, but okay. the DJs are DJ Baron and DJ Breakout, mm-hmm. and the MCs were the Funky Four MCs. Right. And right. we had the first female MC, Shah Rock. That's, That's my one more. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so it was myself, Raheem, Shah Rock, KK Rockwell, and Keith Keith. And we were the Funky Four MCs. Yeah called the Brothers Disco, uh, MC group. The original member of the group was K.K. Rockwell. He, he went by the voice of K.K. Rockwell. It was DJ Breakout and DJ Baron and the voice of K.K. Rockwell. The Brothers Disco. They added on some members, Keith Keith, Shah Rock, and Raheem. The original Funky Four. And I also have footage of them actually performing as a group on stage with mics in hand actually performing that's KK Rockwell Keith Keith Shah Rock and Raheem the original Funky Four the 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 the
It's history. Uh, and we were like the antithesis to Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four. Got you. Uh, we ruled the North Bronx section of the Bronx, and Grandmaster Flash ruled the South Bronx. Uh. Right? Now, Cool Herc, he was like the god of all of right. the days prior to this. Mm-hmm. But Cool Herc, his run was from 1973 till about the end of 1975. And then Grandmaster Flash started around 1976, but his MCs didn't start till around 1978, end of 77. Got you. So uh, these guys, the black, the baby spades, they came to my room to fix, to have me fix flats uh, the summer of 78. And ironically, they had a boom box and they were blasting a tape of the last party that I did as a member of the Funky Four. Right. And it just so happens that by the time they got to my room door on the tape, I was rhyming. Mm. So I heard it and I knew it was them. And I opened the door and I started rhyming with myself on the tape. And they was looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and then they stopped the tape and they was like, yo, what the F you know about this brother's disco, DJ Breakout, DJ Baron, Funky 4 MC shit? And I'm like, yo, I know all about that. I said, that's me right there. Wow. They was like, that's you. It was like, yo, you lying. You lying. I was like, yo, I'm telling y'all that's me. They was like, yo, your name is Todd. Who's that? I said, that's me, Raheem. They was like, yo, you better say some Raheem shit right now. Or we gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> So I, so I had to spit some Raheem shit for them uh, <laughs> under pressure. And luckily, I had just memorized about uh, two or three black and white composition notebooks filled with r- new rhymes that right. I had written. And um, when I started saying them joints, after about after about eight bars or so, their jaws dropped to the floor and they was like, oh shit, yo, <laughs> Yo, you Raheem. I was like, yo, I told y'all stupid ass about Raheem, yo. And they was like, yo, yo, y'all doing a y'all doing a jam at um at the T connection in like two weeks. What's up? We your security. I'm like, that sound about right. <laughs> and I and I ain't fixed a flat tire since. <laughs> and stuff mm-hmm. and then when you know when rapping became the trendy thing to do okay. uh, in the Bronx 
um, during hip hop's inception. Um, my mom, on top of singing, she was also a poet. Mm. And so, um, and she would always read to us. She would always read, not just poetry, but she would read stories to us and she would assume the character uh, of, of every character in the stories that she would read or, or assume the, the character of whatever the, the, uh, uh, the vocal inflections that the character in the poem is supposed to be doing. Right. So I always had a great sense of how to be expressive with the tone of my voice mm. as well as my words. Gotcha. And so uh, writing poetry kind of came natural to me as a result of my mom doing it. And then uh, when I was in first grade, uh, my first grade teacher, Miss Eisenstadt, uh, used to have me read, you know, recite the poetry from the books that uh, they would have us read. And she'd always call on me because I recited them well because right. my mom recited poetry to us and you know, in, in the way that I just explained. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, I because I know I got a question for you about a little bit more, down a little bit more, but it's, it's going to tie into that most definitely. So how important was it for you to incorporate your singing tones in your verses? Because just like I said, man, everybody else was, you know, like Melly Mel was there, ah, you know, and Kid Cree, they were aggressive. You, I mean, you have the aggressive too, but you had that, you just had, it, um, your tone was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, it, it was really important to me to implement my, my, my singing, uh, into the rap because at that time that distinguished me from everyone else. Right. Um, you know, and then everyone else started doing it very shortly. <laughs> yes. uh, um, but, but the, and, and not to slight them in any way. But the only difference was is that I was more of a singer than my than my peers were. Right, gotcha. And so, um, you know, I, I mimicked I mimicked Michael Jackson. Mm. Um, you know, uh, they they sung. You know, they would sing. My our peers would sing other songs, mm -hmm. but I would take Jackson Five songs and like remix words. To suit my group, you know. Yep. And all I know, you say so many things that just reminds me of myself, man. It's just I'm telling you, I'm losing my mind. It's it's unbelievable. That's Listen, it's like you you Drake and all those guys, Ja Rule, all of them, Fifty Cent. They might need to go back there and thank you most definitely, man. They might need to pay you for that. <laughs> you know what? You know because I know and wholeheartedly believe. Uh, in the saying that there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, I don't believe that I was the first to do that. I got you. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, maybe I was one of the people who rediscovered mm -hmm. uh, doing, you know, putting singing and, and rapping together because actually I've seen videos mm -hmm. of people singing and rapping Gotcha. In the 1930s and 40s. Right, right, right. So, I feel you. so ain't nothing new under the sun. No, no, I feel I, I feel you. I, I guess it's just yeah. for you know our our generations, the generations that came after, you know what I'm saying, is what we can see. <laughs> just like you say, if we if most of us go do our history, we'll find right. 
As you right. said, man, it's this real deal. But I just wanted to pick you up on the greatness of Raheem and what you were doing, Thank man. You, so, you know, Thank you. I just want to give you those props most definitely. So as I hear, man, you speak as well as you rap. So can you tell us about your educational background? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. This is my educational background. Yeah. So my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, rest in peace. And um, she was never, she she was my maternal teacher. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, but she, I wasn't in any of her classes. She didn't teach in any of the schools that I attended. Right. Uh, but her being the kind of mother that she was, she insisted on her children not being, you know, <clears throat> ignorant. Right. She despised ignorance. Mm. And so uh, she always said to me that you're going to be someone, you know, who people are going to want to talk to and they're going to put a camera in your face. Right. And you had better not prove to be uh, an embarrassment to the Williams household or don't bring your ass home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, that was, you know, that was uh, part of the education that I got from my mom. But as far as school, uh, you know, conventional school. So I, uh, I went to elementary school, I went to junior high school, yeah. and I went to high school sometimes. <laughs> 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 and. Um, I got caught smoking weed in school, in high school, and they escorted me to the uh, to the doors of uh, the principal and the vice principal, and they said, "Mr. Williams, can you please just never return here?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was expelled from high school, um, but I never felt as though I needed to continue my education because. My education was continuing in all of my life's experiences. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel as though school, uh, you know, the conventional school that we know that, uh, you know, after after elementary school, junior high school, and high school, the school that we <clears throat> that we pay thousands of dollars for and go into right. debt for for half of our lives, if not all of our lives to repay. Yes. Um, I feel as though that was necessary for me uh, to advance myself, you know, to where I wanted to be in my life because I look at all of the uh, all of the wealthiest people and um, the wealthiest people didn't really uh, you know, finish school either. Right. Uh, or they were more entrenched in the things that they that they were interested in and that ultimately created their wealth. Right. So those are the things that interest me more than anything else. And I, you know, I mean, if, if anything, uh, my, my association with the school at this particular juncture in my life, uh, will be a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't need a, I don't need a diploma or a degree in right. order to teach people what I know. Indeed. Now, listen, like I say, you speak well. and You, you can tell that, listen, it, it wasn't about the schooling. 
Your mom did her job. You saw it. You heard it. You you right. know you were educated. You know it was just That's that right. time in your life. I, I you know I hear you. You know and and then you just went. It just became life lessons. And you right. started doing your thing, man. So hey, respect to you, man. You know everything's not for everybody. It's just the no. real deal. Education is is learning in whatever uh, you know whatever aspect of learning that it is. You're you're getting you're gaining an education. So, you know, some people get their education from school. Some people get their education from streets. Right. You know, their life's experiences. And, you know, so that's, that's me. Yes, indeed. Like I like to say, life lessons, man, most definitely. <laughs> I, I've told my children that their entire lives, indeed. So the, the world has been fed so many images of hip hop, you know, and, and where it, you know, about where it comes from. So which movie or documentary is the closest representation of what hip-hop in New York really was back then? Which documentary or which movie? Yeah, because I know what I know I know what was my favorite. So you know, but yeah. Well, as well, all of the documentaries mm-hmm. and all of the movies, or shall I say, none of the documentaries mm-hmm. and none of the movies have depicted the inception of hip-hop completely accurate. Really? No. Um, And, you know, uh, a lot of it is due to the fact that, you know, institutions, you know, with a lot of money are pouring a lot of money into, you know, the hip-hop culture, into, you know, learning about the hip-hop culture and in order to learn about the the beginnings of the hip-hop culture they have to speak to the people who are actively participants and so uh, there's a a contingency of usual suspects that they you know always interview and you know um, they give the same narrative about you know who the who, what's, and where's, and that sort of thing. And, you know, some of it is accurate, but some of it is not. And a lot of it is due, the, a lot of the inaccuracies are due to the fact that uh, these these people there, and they're, you know, some of them are pioneers, uh, <clears throat> but they're jockeying for positions because they know that these institutions want to speak to you know, I won't say the, I won't say the creators because we didn't create anything. We just innovate. Right. So they went to the innovators who, you know, reconnected to the energy that we now know as hip hop culture. Yeah. Okay. And they want to pay them a lot of money, and so they try to keep that circle tight. And if your story conflicts with theirs, then you know you don't really get seen uh, talking yeah so it's so it's their narrative of how they want to paint the picture and you know of course always to sell you know about the money or whatever like that so no i understand that man it's all clickbait (laughs) yeah i want i definitely wanted to ask you that question because you being one of the you know the founders of it and being there and uh you know especially with it coming out of the bronx and um i just figured that you'd have a, a and you have given it, you know, a different insight on what that 
you know, what it really was, uh, you know, what was great about hip hop or, or, or the beginnings of it. And uh, right. I think a lot of us really, I know I always wanted to know, because I was going to say like my favorite movie is, is Beat Street because I love the, the actual breaking of it. I did not right. like the movie Breaking. I like the song. I like the song right. by, by Ali and Jerry, but I didn't right. like the movie because I was just like, man, this is it's no breaking in it. Stop. Don't call it breaking. Call it popping and locking or something, baby. Right. Don't, right. don't call right. it breaking, man, because, you know, me right. being from the South, but I'm still East Coast over here. And it was like, you know, it was all about New York. I mean, I love Cali, too, man. Of course, we right. love their movement. But yeah, man, it was just like B Street, man, had me. So woo, I love B Street, man. Yeah, yeah, everything. I, I would say, I would say the most recent depiction of the birth of hip hop that I would that I would give more, lend more credence to mm -hmm. Netflix series to get there. I watched it all, most definitely. Okay. So now, uh, the scenes in the Get Down where the Get Down brothers were battling the notorious mm -hmm. three, right? And all of the scenes where the Get Down brothers were performing, um, all of the rap in those in in that series were written by Nas and myself. Really? Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. I and I also uh, assisted with the choreography. Because the Get Down Brothers were doing a lot of the choreography that Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five did. Really, yo, that listen, another beautiful nugget, man. And I and I watched that and, and enjoyed that thoroughly. See, because when I see hip hop stuff like that, I'm in it. I'm just like, man. I, I was just like, because it's like I'm putting myself. It's like I'm dropping myself in there. I'm just like, exactly. man, is, is this what it was, you know? It's like I feel right, the right, energy right. And, and I feel the pressure and, you know, what's going on. So I'm telling you, that was a great series. Love it. Love thank it. No, there's, no, there's no doubt about it, man. So thank, thank you for you. that, man. Listen well, there. Well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what you're getting is a history lesson that you should enjoy and you'll be able to take and tell your children one day. <laughs> right, that's all, that's all point. So you. You, you, you spoke about the Funky 4 Plus 1. So that wasn't your first group, or was that incorporated with the, uh, you said the Disco Brothers? Okay, so, all right. So the Funky Four Plus One mm -hmm. wasn't the group that I was a member of. Okay. The Funky Four Plus One derived as a result of me joining Grandmaster Flash's crew. Okay, now I got you. Now I'm there. Um, Funky Four, DJ Breakout, and DJ Barrett. Mm-hmm are called the Brothers Disco. Gotcha. That's what that organization is called. Okay. And, and so DJ Breakout, DJ Baron, and the Funky Four battled 
Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four, May 11th, 1979, at the Webster Avenue PAL on Webster Avenue and 183rd Street in the Bronx. Right. And Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four won the battle, but maybe about two or three days after the battle, Melly Mel, and at the time his name was Mr. Ness, but he later changed it to Scorpio, right. showed, showed up at my mom's house and asked me if I was down to join their group. Okay, gotcha. And so that's how I became a member of their group. Oh, man, oh, man. And, and then uh, after I left the funk, the original Funky Four, mm -hmm. uh, they added two more members, uh, Jazzy Jeff and Little Rodney C. Right. And then they had, so it was Jazzy Jeff, Little Rodney C, Keith Keith, KK Rockwell, and Shaw Rock. So that's what made them funky four plus one. Which one? Well, I, got plus one. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So you, cause you went on and, and kind of answered it to it because I was about to get, okay, let's talk about Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and who were the original okay. Fury. Now, who were the original Furious Five MCs? And uh, okay. you just told us how you guys came together. So who were right. the originals? Yeah. So, so the original Furious Five MCs were Melly Mel, Mr. Ness or Scorpio, mm -hmm. myself, Kid Creole, and Cowboy, rest in peace. Yes, indeed. Yep. Cowboy. Yep. <laughs> it's, oh, my goodness. So much stuff running through my head, man. <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed. So thank you for that also. So, so. Yeah. So you guys, Africa Bambada and the Soul Sonic Force and Planet Patrol, right. you guys really had a grip on that music scene back in the early 80s. There's right. no doubt about it. Because right. my brother's a DJ, and man, we had that music in our house, man. I'm telling you, man, I, that, that was what was going on. He had the, just the best mixtapes with all of that. You know, I'm sneaking yes. in the club and everything. And I'm right. so I'm a part of all of this. And uh, so those hits you made back, back then still hit hard to this day. So... Can you recall a memorable performance that still excites your senses when you think about it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, quite a few. Mm -hmm. uh, but one, one that sticks out in my mind uh, specifically right now is uh, we were we were on tour with Rick James. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> and he um, he wasn't feeling well. Uh, and he was the headliner of the show. Right. And he asked us if we would go on two times to to like compensate the audience, you know, and go on and perform for him as well. Mm -hmm. And so we did it. He paid us two times, and uh, we we went on the rest of his tour with him. Every time Rick James uh, <laughs> would come to New York City, <clears throat> because. Uh, he and I are both Aquarius. Mm -hmm. uh, he called me his little Aquarian brother. And he, out of everybody in my group, he would call me and tell me, yo, little bro, come meet me at the Parker Meridian. That was his favorite hotel to stay right. in New York City. Uh, I would go meet him at the Parker Meridian and we would go hang out. Um, we hung out at uh, 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 Rockefeller Center at NBC Studios and we went to see Eddie Murphy when he was on Saturday Night Live. Wow. And then after the show, me, Rick James, Smokey Robinson, Eddie Murphy, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Adam Ant hung out together at Studio 54. 
<laughs> oh, oh my god! And Charlie Murphy, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing! Listen, every day you just mentioned, man, just gigantic. You know, yeah. wow, man, goodness. Now that yeah. was love, man. Just like you said, yeah. and he, and he, and he really, you know, was drawn to you, man, and what you do, All man. Right. But it just once again it just speaks to your talent and who you are, man. That's that's the aura around Raheem. Just keep it real and stay true to the game. I'm just, I'm just uh, um, like a like a pimple on a on a supermodel face, bro. <laughs> Very happy to be here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel you, man. That's love. I love that. Yep. So, in a time where your peers were dressing super flamboyant, because back then right. they used to dress a certain way. You guys, right. like in the video, the message you toned right. all of that way down. So, right. so, so why did you guys choose to go with a different dress code? So, um, <clears throat> as a result of us, well, okay, so coming from the streets of the Bronx, mm -hmm. we dressed a certain way. We, okay. we actually dressed the way that Run DMC and them dressed on stage. We dressed like that on the street. In right. The All right. Um, and they got, basically, they, they got that style from dudes in the Bronx. Yeah. Dudes Queens didn't really dress like that. But... But, you know, all due respect, they took it and they made it their own. So that's all that really matters. Yes. You know what I mean? So much respect to Run DMC uh, and rest in peace to Jam Master J. Indeed. But as a result of uh, us gaining the experience of learning how to actually be entertainers. Right. Going on tour with the greats like... We was on tour with the Commodores when Lionel Richie was still a member. Wow. Uh, on tour, like I said, with Rick James, Tina Marie, the Mary Jane girls, yes. uh, Carl Carlton, who made uh, She's a Bad Man. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, uh, what was that other joint? Um, we was on tour with the Fatback Band. Yeah. We was on tour with uh, Confunction, the Barquets, Switch. Man, so many. Yeah. So many. So we would, at first, uh, we were the opening act mm -hmm. because you know, rap was brand new to audiences. Right. And, um, but after maybe about three months of touring with these legendary uh, R&B bands, um, they stopped letting us open the show because we did crowd response. They didn't right. do crowd response. So when we would be like, you know, say ho, say hell yeah, and all that, that would burn the crowd, the energy of the crowd out. And so by the time they would get on stage, the crowd wouldn't give them the same energy they just gave eyes. So they was like, you know what? Uh-uh. We got to put them on later on in the show. So because they did that and we didn't have to go on immediately, uh, even when we did go on immediately, um, we would change clothes after we got off and we would go sit in the audience and watch the whole rest of the show. Right. And so that way we got an opportunity to see all of these legendary artists perform and how yeah. they entertain the audiences. And so um, we took a lot of uh, uh, what we saw uh, from Cameo. <laughs> um, they... You know, they they were really, um, you know, theatrical. Yes. Uh, we did 
out of what we saw uh, from Parliament Funkadelic. You know, they were really theatrical. And basically, we felt like, you know, it was necessary to assume a different personality and role when we get on the stage as opposed to the role that we, you know, our natural selves in everyday life because we have to sell this music, this personality, the the illusion of a certain lifestyle to the public. And so in order to sell this to the public, we can't dress like them. We have to be special. We have to, they have to see us like superheroes. Right. So we have to wear costumes like how superheroes dress. Mm-hmm. And so that was our, our whole, you know, my brother's doing best on my mother's TV. Says you're watching too much, it's just not healthy. All my children in the daytime, Dallas at night. Can't even see the game or the Sugar Ray fight. The bill collectors, they ring my phone. Scares my wife when I'm not home. I got a bonus education, double digit inflation. Can't get the train to the job, there's a strike at the station. A neat all King Kong standing on my back. Can't stop the turn around. Broke my sacroilia, mid range migraine cancer. Membrane, sometimes I think I'm going say, swear I might have dropped a plane. Don't push me. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep hey, going fellas, under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep hey, fellas, going fellas, what under. you want to do, let's dance! Our whole psyche on that. Well, look, man, that's... I'm trying to think of one of the rock guys was saying, like, man, nobody wants to see the guy right next door that they know. They want to be entertained. And, exactly. uh, and my man, uh, Benji Webb, for the uh, the metal, you know, he he does reggae, but he's with a group called Skindred and also Dub War. I don't know if you ever heard of him, you know, in Europe, but Benji is like one of the best front men I've ever seen. And I've done a few shows with him overseas. And I just looked at him. He walked out there and his dress was different. The way he dressed commanded attention. Absolutely. And, and, and when I had him on my show, I was like, Benji, I just want to tell you, man, you one of the best ones or, or, or the best one to be, to be honest with you, you know, front yeah. end, because the way he commanded that crowd and he came out there just with, you, you just didn't see that, you know? So it, it was just, it was just so you different, to, you know? You got to give him, you got to give him a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't come out there regular. <laughs> and listen, look, look at that. Man, I'm trying to tell you, man, New York has just always had that extra. Always. Just like when I was talking to Doc Ice, man, talking about, you know, when our cousins who lived in New York came back down, it's like, bring us some sneakers, man. Bring us some gear, man. You know, you got right, diff- right. different pro kids than what we got down here. <laughs> You guys got got pro kids without the stripes on them, you know? Well, you know, New York is the fashion capital of the world. And so, you know, they, they, we, we get it first, you know, as far as the trends in, in fashion, unless, unless it's custom and, you know, like, uh, companies like, um, what's that company that makes the jeans in LA? Uh, hmm, I can't think of their name at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, it's it's companies like that that you know 
that also set trends. Right. You know, you. so it's it's really about what's what's trending and, and what's hot. But fashion, just like music, is a revolving door. And what was, you know, what was trending at one time and then went out of style, eventually it's going to come back. It'll come back. You know, just like. Yeah. Yeah. Look, hey, listen, love it. <laughs> love it. It's taking me back to when we did a show in Russia and my man that had us over there. It was the mob that had us over there. One hundred percent. They brought us over. Right, there. right, right. And let me tell you something. He had on a a fur. It was leather and fur. And they, right. were giving, they were giving us whatever we wanted. Right. And I looked at him and I said, let me get Can that I have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> and he was a big guy like me, because I'm a big guy. I was like, right. hey man. I said, I'm, and I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not effing around with you. I'm speaking real right now. I said, Can I get that coat? Right. He looked at me, he was like, Lord, if I give you the coat, my wife will kill me. And I'm just like, <laughs> But I said, but man, I've never seen a coat like that before. And it was, listen, when I say it was mink and leather, uh, right. mink and then leather patches in between it, it was beautiful. I was like, man, I want to look like a big bear or something like that. It was beautiful. I know that's right. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, so, hey, listen, love that. Love that, indeed. Thank you. So, let's talk music. So, the songs, Freedom, Nasty, yeah. Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Which is right. my favorite song because it's so much energy in Scorpio, man. I love that song. It is. So New York, New York, step off uh-huh. the birthday party. Come on, man. Come right. on, man. And the message are timeless classics, of course. So the history behind the song, the message is a unique one. And I've heard you speak about it. I don't, you know, you don't have to go do whatever you want to with it. But and I always thought you and Melly Mel were rapping those parts. So right. wasn't that you rapping in the video though? That is me listening. Yeah. Right, That's okay, me. so you were lip syncing it. And listen, I would have never yeah. known until I went up and did my research on it. And I was just like, no, man, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, so the way that it went was uh, a brother by the name of Ed Fletcher, rest in peace, uh, AKA Duke Booty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the musician that uh, composed the music to the message. Okay. And he was also the lyricist that wrote, I would say, uh, I would say 75% of the lyrics of the message, mm. uh, with the exception of the last verse, a child is born with no state of mind, that Melly Mel says, right? Right. So um, the way that Melly Mel got on the song in the first place was we were all auditioned to be who was going to be on the song because the president of our label, who was also our producer, Sylvia Robinson, Sylvia Robinson yes. mm-hmm. uh, said that uh, this song uh, was going to be different and that the makeup, uh, group makeup of this song wasn't going to be the same as the rest of our songs. So maybe one or two members of the group were going to be on the song. Okay. Uh, she said, so I'm going to audition you guys to see which one or two of you guys are on the song. So we were like, uh, you know, we agreed or whatever. Uh, even though we didn't really want to do the song because it was actually contrary to the kind of music that we were making at the time. And it didn't lend to party atmosphere like right. the rest of the music did and that rap did overall at that particular time. And the, the, the song that was on fire uh, at the time was Planet Rock. So we wanted to make 
like Planet Rock, which she in turn allowed us to record Scorpio. <laughs> and that was the trade-off for doing the song like Planet Rock. Got you. So we go in the studio to be auditioned, to be on the message. And uh, everybody, you know, each one of us individually goes in the booth. And um, when I go in the booth, I spit Melly Mel's rhyme, a child is born with no state of mind. <laughs> and when I come out of the booth, she was like, oh, my God, that's great, Raheem. We're going to keep that take right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, nah, Miss Robinson, that's uh, Melly Mel's rhyme. I just said it because it fit the song. Right. She was like, oh, man, that was a great call. It fits the song perfectly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go in, the, go in the booth and do your rhyme. And so that's how Melly Mel got on the song. Wow. Uh, um, oh, wait, lost my train of thought for a second. So, so when when we went to do the video, mm-hmm. she had me lip sync uh, Duke Booty's part. Okay, I actually rapped the best out of the rest of Fury's Five. Yes, not not to slight them in any way, but and even Flash, if you asked him who his best MC was out of the Furious Five. Got you. No, I, I, I feel you, man. No, listen, there's no doubt because Melly Mel's verse, no doubt, is dope as could be, but just, hey, man. At that time, Melly Mel was ahead of his time, so yeah. I, I can't front. Like, yeah. he, he, he was, every MC around that time, uh, if you were inspired by rap, you were probably inspired by Melly Mel. I got you. So... But I, I, but I just, but what I'm saying though is that you know my mother's doing fast, on, my brother's doing fast on my mother's TV. Says he, what? Right. Listen, so when you're doing that, right, that's you, man. Do you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But, it, but you know what? I've written, I've written like, a, a, for lack of a better description, I'd say a remix to the message. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I have like, uh, I wrote an, another verse. Uh, but I didn't write it really in the same pattern, but it's like uh, uh, some biased cops persecute me for my irrevocable brand. Fire shot, searching through my hood, disposing my fam. Pull up next to me, say, keep it moving, shit over my M. Don't shoot, can't breathe, so I shoulder my hands while you practice your policy enforcement tactics on our black kids and mostly male adolescents on the blacklist. Blacklist slaughtered like catfish. Narcotics, no weapons, and we the manufacturers. No co- um, just people you displaced them. Just people you displaced. Oh man, I can't. I can't no, remember. It. No, it's I, all. It's I, haven't, I haven't spit it in a minute, but um, I actually recorded it. So yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll let you hear it. I'll send it to you. Indeed, please do it. Let me let me let me say this. I'm gonna drop this in here because I got. I'm gonna say this, and it's yeah. something that hit me while once again while I'm doing my research to the great Raheem. Let's let's keep it real. Once again, one of the greatest. I, I don't care what nobody says. And listen, I I love who I love. So I have my homeboy who's from the Bronx. Blast! I call him the Rain Man because he's the fastest writing individual I've ever seen in my life. And we were in a group together uh, a while back. And he's my guy still to this day. I mean, he's from New York. He's from the Bronx, and he's got everything New York. The attitude, the 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 the, the tone of talk. You know, the accent. Right, 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 he's my right, guy. Right. It's my guy. It said so. Blast. But he's a lover. He loves Rakim. 
Gotcha. So I know you know where I'm going, man. So let me ask you a question. Sure. As great as Rakim is, Rakim is great. Uh-huh. But man, your tone and vocals and flow is, yo, man, am I bugging? I mean, you know, you know, it... <laughs> um, I, I I have a great, uh, great respect for Rakim. Love Rakim. Yeah. And, um, uh, I think that because of the nature of of MCs in general, mm-hmm. uh, combined with uh, having had uh, an incident not not with Rakim but with Eric B. Mm. While he and Rakim were on stage performing uh, many years ago, really. Uh, yeah, I don't think that Rakim ever uh, forgot that, and I don't think that he ever got past it. Mm. Um, I, and I have, and and I've extended an olive branch to him, you know, quite a few times, and even you know expressed. Uh, well, I followed him at one point in social media, but <clears throat> you know, um, and and I. I I respect everybody, you know, in the craft. I, I, I try to give everybody an equal amount of respect, uh, whether you know who I am or not. If right. if I, that what you're doing has any value to it, you know, I give you that respect. And and even even if I don't like your music, but mm-hmm. other people like your music, um, that that makes me see the value in it. And yeah. so. I, I have to give you the respect because other people like it. And, you know, um, taste in music is just is subjective. 100%. So it's a matter of, you know, individual taste and what that individual likes. So I don't get into, you know, conversations of, you know, well, who's my who's my top five or two, mm-hmm. who's, you know, who I think is the greatest or whatever. I don't get into those conversations because, one, I'm still actively a participant doing it, and I think I'm the goddamn greatest. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't ask me no shit like that. <laughs> All right? And and secondly, um, there are many, many artists that, you know, MCs that I admire, um, <clears throat> but, but I don't put them in a category of top whatever because I like them for different reasons. Like okay. I love Buster Rhymes' energy, and um, and if I want to hear, you know, uh, a party song, or if I want a song, you know, to give me that kind of energy, I want to hear Buster Rhymes. Right. You know, if I want to be, you know, aggressive, if I want to hear, you know, some aggressive like you know, rap music, gangster rap music that makes me uh, um, get in the mode when I'm in the gym. I listen to DMX. I listen to Tupac. You know what I mean? I listen to Mob Deep. I listen to, you know, artists like that. So I like different artists for different reasons. And I I would never compare uh, Jay-Z and Nas to one another. Right. I would never compare them because... Jay-Z and Nas, to me, is like comparing Michael Jackson and Prince. They're two completely different artists. I agree 100%. You know what I mean? Um, Jay-Z, he has mastered the art of commercialism. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Nas doesn't really care about commercialism. He's established a core fan base and he caters to them and they cater to him. And that, and that keeps him, you know, that keeps him paid. 100%. So, so they're two very different artists. Now, as far as, you know, when they, when they go against each other on the same song and stuff like that, obviously you have to, you have to compare the two of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, you know, uh, Nas is more lyrical than Jay is, Mm -hmm. but I, I think that, uh, I think that Jay has a, clever way of, of putting his words together, you know? Um, and, and I like Jay's rhythms, uh, you know, his flows. Uh, I think he has, you know, more flows than Nas does. And I think that flows and, you know, what you're saying, in addition to the track, all of those things are factors in determining how, you know, the listener feels about it. Your music. Once again, the chills that are going through my whole body right now with what you just said, because I like Nas. I think Nas is one of the dopest. And everything you said is on point. I always tried to figure out how to tell people because people was like, oh, you hating on this or you hating on that. I was like, I'm not hating. I was right. like, I'm just telling you what I love about Jay-Z. Right. And 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 what what I love about Nas on this side right here. I said but but everything you said, everything you said was so on point with it. And I'm going to tell you the song Black Republicans. Oh man. I love it. I keep that in rotation. I love that. I song. love that song. And yeah. you know Nas has done a few other things and I, and I guess when you talk about like the commercial stuff and I've listened right. to the underground stuff and like that. Yes. Nas has that 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 core fan base that he has, and yes, Jay Z has mastered that commercialism and how, and still, but still being who he is. Right. And because I took some of Jay Z, I watched Jay Z, and I went up on that stage, and I'm with this rap metal band, and I'm a big guy, believe me. And so I'm six foot five at the time, I was three hundred pounds, and I'm like on that stage, I'm menacing, and I'm looking right. at everybody like I want to kill him, you know. Right. But it's like I took some of the stuff that I watched Jay Z do. And I was just like, use that here, right here. This will work here. Or put exactly. this right here. Because That's he right. is, even though he's the calmest, coolest, there's something else about him. You know, he he didn't have that DMX. Of course, DMX on another level. May he right. rest in peace. But Jay-Z right. had something that still grabbed that crowd. He really did. Yep. So thank you for saying yeah. that, man. That was, yeah. that was like one of the best breakdowns. And I feel that way. I could never really say it. And, and, and people would have conversation. Forgive me for running my mouth on this side. People, people would always, you know, well, what do you think about this? Jay-Z and Nas and this and that and that and that. And I would never respond to any of those things because I didn't want to be disrespectful to Nas on, a, you know, on one hand because I respect right. him. But I was right. just like, but Jay has got something special over here, too. So anyway, thank you for that. That was beautiful. Man. I'm telling you. I, I appreciate that. Woo, that was good for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm being selfish right now. Raheem educated me and gave me the love I needed. That was good. That was good. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, with so many different personalities in Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, how easy or difficult was it to, you know, get along and respect each other? Man. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, Melly Mel and Kid Creole 
our brothers. Brothers, right. In Creole is Melly Mel's older brother. Okay. And uh, uh, every time, every time, we were supposed to have rehearsal, our rehearsals would always be interrupted by an argument which would precede a fight, mm. a physical fight between Melly Mel and his brother Jimmy. And so that would always end our rehearsals. Wow. We we never really got much of an opportunity to get many rehearsals. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot of our rehearsals would be in the dressing room right before a show. Wow. But once we had like a set routine, mm -hmm. um, remarkably, we all remembered the set routine and we never changed it like for years. And I'd be begging them like, yo, we need to change the routine up because like other other MC groups, you know, like the Cold Crush Brothers, like they, we would, um, you know, because the Cold Crush Brothers, uh, you know, uh, with all due respect to their to their uh, contribution and their legendary status mm -hmm. uh, in hip hop culture and rap music, um, they came on the scene in like 1981. Um, so they they didn't really uh, come on the scene when we came on the scene to compete with us, right? But they talk mad smack about us on their cassette tapes because, uh, you know, everybody made these cassette tapes at their jams. And so that's how, uh, you know, they because they would always invite us to battle them or whatever mm -hmm. uh, during that time. But we didn't feel as though we were on the same level because by that time we were touring. Yeah, y'all were gone. There's no doubt. Like local, you know, gigs. Yep. No, hey, listen. That, that's real. That's real talk. Because you guys were, I mean, I don't, I don't care where it was, north, south, east, west, and I, and I can speak about the south where we are. But man, it was the music. It was what we listened to, man. We, no disrespect to Cold Crush. You know, my brother had those records too, but we weren't listening to that. We, you know, because back then, like you know, even now, like a lot of the kids like to party, and you know, it's back to. I always ask my son. I was like, "Yo, man." You guys don't dance no more or whatever. Like, nah, nah, we just vibe and listen to the music. You know, those got to be a special club. We were waiting for those songs to come on so we can get out there and dance and, and, and do our thing and break dance and all those kind of things like that. Man, we could not wait, right. <laughs> you know, to That's get out right. on that floor. So, man, once again, when you're talking about Scorpio and a nasty song where everybody's, you know, uh, you know, chanting back, you know, call and response, man, come on, yep. man. You guys, you guys had us, man. There's no doubt about it, man. We, there ain't no fronting on that. That's what it was about. And we enjoyed yeah, every single moment of it. Because you guys kind of went from, you guys didn't do it. I know you guys were there, but you guys didn't do the ball, 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 ball. Y'all weren't doing that. It's no. like it's like you guys took it from that and you kind of like Run DMC took it to another level and then it went to another level. You guys were that right. next phase right. of what was going on. So we heard none of that. All we heard was dope lyrics. A good right. time, yep. and the music was great. So, man, right. man, I yeah. salute you again, man. I, 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 so, so, how dope was was Grandmaster Flash to you? Well, to me, um, at that time, uh, he was he was the DJ that 
I aspired to MC for him. Um, that was the he was the reason why I joined his group. Right. I didn't I mean the, the MCs, they were good to me, but um I joined the group because I wanted a dope DJ cutting. system was not a pair of headphones. It was a pair of house speakers. Mm -hmm. So the turntable that wouldn't necessarily, that wouldn't usually be audible to the audience was audible because his cueing system was a pair of house speakers. Right. Somebody in the, in the apartment could hear when he spun the record back or when he cued the record up and rubbed it a little bit to make sure he was at the cue point, including Grand Wizard Diddle, <laughs> who they say invented the scratch. Okay. But Grandmaster Flash told me that Theodore heard what he was doing yeah. and also told me, and you would know this to be true if you knew Grand Wizard Theodore, Grand Wizard Theodore is a, is a short man. Mm-hmm. And so when he was a little boy, he was even shorter than he is as a man. And Grandmaster Flash told me that he used to put a crate of records in front of the turntables mm -hmm. and literally pick Grand Wizard Theodore up and stand him on the crate of, theater, uh, of records so that he could hone his craft as an aspiring DJ. Wow. Uh, when his older brother, when Theodore's older brother Mean Gene wasn't around mm -hmm. because Mean Gene didn't want Theodore touching the turntables. Mm -hmm. But Flash 
a loud learner. I do that. Wow, man. Theodore doesn't tell that story. Great story, man. I'm telling you, it's a great story, man. I'm just, I'm, this, this is a great book that I'm reading, except you're telling. Awesome. In, in fact, in fact, I was, um, I was on Lord Jamar's uh, podcast mm -hmm. uh, a couple of months ago, and I was telling this very same story. Mm -hmm. And uh, two of the members of uh, the legendary group, uh, Grand Wizard Theodore's MCs, uh, Whip a Whip. Whip a Whip. Uh, and, and Ruby D from the Fantastic Five were on the show. And Theodore called in. And, um, you know, um, I wasn't expecting to have any kind of uh, confrontation with him. And I spoke to him, you know, and addressed him, yo, what's up, my legendary brother, whatever. Right. And because I told that story, he said to me, he used Will Smith's words to Chris Rock and told me to keep my name out his effort. Oh mouth. man! We had we had some words on that show. <laughs> it's on YouTube for those interested in in, uh, in the uh, entertainment of that. Right. But it wasn't my uh, intention at all to to have any kind of uh, you know negative exchange with the brother. I was just telling history the way that it was that I know that. Right, and, and 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 as you said before, you know, history is told by certain individuals might not get the real deal, and so and and you got it from the guy who, you know, trained him or showed him what. The, right. A lot of time, hey man, I feel you on that one. I feel you on that one, man. It's real. Thank yeah. you for that again, man. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. So so it was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, then Grandmaster Melly Mel and the Furious Five. So. Can you speak on the split and why your loyalty, as well as Kid Creole's uh, loyalty, which is Melly Mel's brother, was with Flash and not Melly Mel? Well, um, it wasn't necessarily that our loyalty was with Flash or with Melly Mel or not with either one of them. It was more that we knew for a fact that we was getting really jerked hard. By okay. Okay. We deserve to get paid royalties. We never got paid any royalties wow. while artists signed the Sugar Hill Records. Mm. All we ever got from them was advance money against our future royalties mm -hmm. and always give us royalty statements that were so overinflated with debt that it never seemed as though we made any money. Right. Um, and so uh, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to get with a label that we actually got paid royalties on because, you know, why else are we recording artists? Right, know? indeed. Um, so uh, Flash got a lawyer who said that he could get us off this contract with Chevelle's. And so that was the reason why Kid Creole and I wound up going with uh, Flash to Electro Records. Uh, initially, Cowboy was um, was going was with us as well, but then uh, Sylvia Robinson gave Melly Mel, Cowboy, and uh, Scorpio money okay. to stay with Sugar Hill, and uh, and she didn't like me mm -hmm. uh, because she didn't like my mom because my mom was the only parent out of all of our parents who actually got a, an attorney, and I'm the youngest member. And so the uh, the attorney that my mom got told my mom not to sign the contract because I was underage at the time. Mm -hmm. So um, um, 
I I think I recorded maybe two or three singles uh, uh, underage and not signed to a contract with Chevelle. And then uh, when I turned 18, Sylvia uh, threatened to put me out of the group and not let me record with them anymore if I didn't sign the contract. So I wound up signing the bad company that everybody else signed. Wow, wow. Once again, great history in the music yeah. business. So many of the stories told about how it is, man, and it's and, and we got out of we got out of that contract by bringing uh, two van loads of our homies from the Bronx over to Chicago Records, <laughs> and when uh, Joe Robinson Senior saw uh, them getting out the van, um, he took off running and he literally locked himself in a room closet in his office and he left his poor wife in the office alone to deal with us. <laughs> yeah. That's what he did. How many times have we seen it in the movies, man? Listen, that's that's real, man. Oh, my goodness, man. And listen, once again, I'm so visual, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. In yeah. 2007, you guys were the first hip-hop group to be inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. So what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, uh, it was a, I mean, it was, it still is a, a tremendous uh, honor and achievement for me, to me. Uh, you know, I didn't see it coming. Um, uh, I wish my mom was alive to to be at that ceremony with me, even though she was there with me in spirit. Uh, she was the only person's name that I could even you know, say when I accepted the award. Wow. Here, matter of fact, here's the award right here behind me. The trophy case right there. That's awesome, man. That's awesome, most definitely. Lifetime Achievement Award on yeah. the top. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it didn't really hit me as far as the accomplishment, like how how great of an accomplishment it was until um, I went to the actual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right. music in uh, Cleveland, mm -hmm. and um, I had to sign my name on the illuminated wall with all of the other inductees, and like our names were like right like inches away from James Brown's name. Wow. Like inches away from like Rod Stewart's name, <laughs> like Temptation's name, like inches away. Yeah. Like, Damn. Like, it hits. Hall of Fame, thank you so much for doing this for us. There was a moment in time where I thought perhaps maybe because we weren't like entitled rock and roll, we're hip hop. But rock and roll plays a huge, huge part. Please don't be mistaken by that. It plays a huge part in what we do. I also want to say that it's been an incredible, incredible trip to do what I do in the turntables with five of the most incredi incredible, incredible vocalists. Furious Five right here, y'all.
You guys got something you want to say, man? Make it short and sweet. I wish my mom was here. She passed away in 1996. She was my greatest inspiration. I love you, Ma. Made it. Top of the world, baby. This is something. It's just, just incredible. And you spoke about the, the, uh, you know, the Lifetime Achievement Award. So is, is that the same vibe, the same feeling that you have as in, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like, we didn't, I mean, I, I can't speak for anybody but me. Uh, I definitely didn't see it coming. Uh, in fact, I got uh, I got an email from the Grammys, mm -hmm. and um, it said that uh, that the president, wait, no, the CEO of the Grammys. I'm sorry. Are you good? Yeah, it said that the CEO of the Grammys was uh, uh, wanted to get in contact. He wanted to call me, mm -hmm. uh, and if I could uh, give him a good day and time, that I would be available. I'm like, CEO, right? I'm like, yeah, all right, you know? So I gave him my number or whatever and told him a day and time to call me, having no idea whatsoever what this is all about. And uh, he calls me, CEO of the Grammys calls me and was like, uh, I just want to, uh, hip-hop pioneers Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five celebrated the sounds of the South Bronx with turntablism, breakbeats, and edgy socially conscious lyrics, bringing the message and more to a mainstream worldwide audience. Man, ladies and gentlemen, if Raheem don't keep giving me chills, man, this is taking me because I, I, it's like I'm feeling what you're feeling, my brother. It's yeah. like I'm feeling it, man, and, and 100%, you know, you got... Everything about what you guys did back then was so iconic and legendary, and it's still people. How, how many times have people re-recorded what you've done, you know, and sampled and done all those things? Come on, man, that hey, music Coyler, is Coyler, timeless. Coyle Ray just redid uh, the message. Uh, girls are players too. Shout yes. out, much love, and shout out to Coyle Ray. You did that, baby girl. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, when I was talking with my son, he was just. I was like. Yeah, and I was just explaining to him. I said, man, I can't wait. I said, well, Raheem gets on here and talk about the message. And I said, you know the message. And he's just like, right. yeah. He's like, Coyle Ray just did it too. And I was just yeah. like, I was like, man, he's like, yeah, dad, yeah, we know that, man. And I was yeah. just like. Look, much love and shout out to everybody that uh, has ever record re-recorded the message music uh, and did their own rendition uh, because we still get a check. Thank yes, you. It is. Yes, indeed. Thank you. yes, indeed, man. Hey, listen, it's time. It won't stop. It won't stop. Won't timeless stop. music, right. my brother. Timeless. Right. So that Sugar Hill Records logo. So I just remember my brother with all the, all you know, all the records, man. So and plus the Def Jam logo, right? It's like it's branded in my mental. Like I see those. I could just see them. So looking right. back, how much of an impact the Sugar Hill 
Sugar Hill, excuse me, records have in the music industry in your professional opinion? Well, it had, it held weight, but it didn't hold weight. Okay. It held weight um, as an independent, you know, independently Black-owned record label um, because of the impact of, you know, the rap music that they released. Right. But it didn't hold weight because they weren't certified by the RIAA. Really? Okay. Institution of America, um, and so, uh, so that's why none of the, the records that we recorded that went gold or platinum or whatever at Sugar Hill Records were certified gold or platinum. Uh, you know, we were told that the message went gold in like twenty-one days. So if the message went gold in like twenty-one days, then shoot, it had to go platinum. Not very, you know. Uh, long thereafter, uh, but we never got uh, a certification of gold record or certified platinum record for it ever. That's crazy. Yeah. Listen, there is no doubt those songs went platinum. There's no doubt. Right. They right. were in every single club everywhere. I don't care right. where you went, that music was being played. Every exactly. listen, it wasn't it wasn't regional. That was right. that was that was. Worldwide, man, that's just crazy, man. Yo, wow. To this very day, um, I could not tell you the numbers on how many copies the message sold because wow. Wow. That is definitely bananas, man. Well, you know, listen, I'm I'm glad that they did, you know, find just like you said, it was way overdue. And um, once again, just want to give you the utmost respect on all, all you know, all that you've done and all you're doing. And that's what we're going to get into right now. So let's talk about the present. So what is keeping the amazingly talented? Yeah, I'm going to read this nicely. What is keeping the amazingly talented Raheem busy these days? Are you still touring? Do you have new music coming out? What's going on in your world? So I'm working on uh, a new music, um, you know, solo project. I'm taking my time with it, uh, and I'm, I'm just really arriving in a very comfortable uh, headspace as far as where I am musically, mm -hmm. and so uh, and, and, and lyrically. So because it feels good, I'm going with it, and I expect to maybe have something for the public to hear in about two, three months. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, there's something, um, something else I'm working on that could derail that for a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's happening right now. Um, I've developed uh, a TV game show, mm. uh, and it's based on rap. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very entertaining. It's, it, and it is. it's not trivia. And um, it's coming. I just got a. I signed a contract with a new with a new network uh, called them Blaze TV, mm -hmm. and they do. Uh, they put their content on all of the same streaming platforms okay. as uh, Amazon Prime, Tubi, uh, Apple TV, uh, 
those platforms. And, um, you know, we will put our show up there and uh, see what happens. But I, I think it's a home run. Got me excited again, man. Look at you. <laughs> Listen, man, that, that sounds that sounds great, especially if it's got to deal with music, hip-hop, man. I know it's going to be great, most definitely, man. So, I and, and I was looking at, you were doing a video. I don't know if you were in a park somewhere, uh, but you were rapping and, and there was other people around you, and you were just spitting, man. And I was like, I'm telling you, this is when I was talking about the Rakim thing. And I just, I just sat there and I was like, Raheem's still dope right now. Like, I was just like, because you know how some some stuff you hear from certain individuals is dated? Right. No, nothing close to it. You were spitting like with the, the anybody who's great that's a hip, I'm talking about hip hop, hip hop. You were spitting, man, and I'm just like, yo, he's, he's going in and I'm loving this. I'm just like, this is crazy. I'm hey. loving it. So, so just just respect to you for it, man. Your your, your talent level, man. It, it, nothing has happened except your greatness has increased. Well, you know, I, I would attribute my my ability to uh, do what I what I love to do to the fact that I never felt and still don't feel as though uh, uh, I'm a teacher with regards to being an MC, okay. Uh, even, even as long as I've been doing it, mm -hmm. I still, I've still remained a student because I listen to all of the younger artists and, um, you know, all of the younger artists who have studied their predecessors and their predecessors may be, you know, uh, Little Wayne, right, or you know, artists like that. Uh, and I studied the artists who came before them. So their predecessors were, you know, Nas and Jay-Z and mm -hmm. have you. And then I studied the predecessors who came before them. And that's, you know, Big Daddy Kane and, right. you know, and all of them. So uh, KRS-One. Mm -hmm. So I take something from all of those, all of those greats. Right. And I make everything that I take from all of those greats mine. Right. And, and I and I put a disguise on it so that nobody knows that I took it from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's you know, it it's all of, it's all about uh, you know, it's our duty to influence each other, influence and motivate and inspire each other. And if we're not inspired by one another, then we need to listen to something else or someone else. You know what I mean? Man, greatness, man. I'm going to say something real quick. I always remember Quincy Jones was talking to Chuck D, and I love Chuck D. And people always say, like, my style is kind of, it's not Chuck D, cause, but my, vo my vocals and everything is like that, you know? Right. And Quincy Jones said, you take 10 of your favorite artists, and you take one thing from each of them, and you got your own thing, and nobody will ever know nothing. It'll be you. And I've always so when you said that, it's like it just makes so much sense. But I'm telling you, man, you so on point, man. It's, it's, yo, yo, he's the point guard, and as he's running this game, man, he's he's got it down, man. Raheem, man, it's this has just been once again. Doc Ice was an amazing conversation. This is an amazing conversation. Bam, thank you so much for these two individuals right here. 
It, it is get, giving me pleasure beyond what you would ever know. I, I, I thank you. And I just believe that, you know, the response that I got from Doc Ice and then, you know, the people that I grew up with and stuff, they're just like amazing. And I know they're going to be the same way right here because this is what we know. This is what we grew right. up with. And so cool. I thank you. I mean, beyond words, man, I, I thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, man, to do this for, for the Lord, Nelson, that is, you know, thank for the big guy. So so do you have any shout outs you'd like to give? Shout outs? Yeah. Uh, Bam, you know, uh, Bam, I love you. Thank you so much for all you do. Um, I, you know, uh, we we doing great things, big things together. And um, I'm looking forward to all of our uh, future endeavors. Much love. Awesome. It's awesome. So where can the world find you to book you and, and peep the greatness of Raheem? Uh, you can catch me on Instagram, uh, Raheem.official. That's R-A-H-I-E-M dot official. Um, and that'll connect you to any other social media platforms. And um, if you want to book me, you can contact BAM at uh, BAM uh, Artist Management at yahoo.com. Well, my brother, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry for taking up so much of your time, but it's been, once again, a true pleasure and an honor to have you on here. And you are definitely you know, one of the greats, man. And 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 I know you don't take that lightly. I know you know who you are. And I love the way you was like, yo, I'm still one of them great ones. Man, what you talking about? And and listen, your rapping and your 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 flow and everything, it, it shows it, man. And and uh once again I could sit here and continue to talk to you for for a few more hours. There's no <laughs> there's no doubt about it. So I'm just I'm thankful and grateful for you, my brother. Thank you very, very much. I, I, I'll come back anytime you like, bro. And listen, yeah. and, and anytime you you're ready to talk about whatever, right. hey, you don't have, you don't have to call it knock. No, not no need to knock. Just come on in and say like I'm ready to do this. I got you, most definitely. Because I, I am definitely appreciative of of who you are and what you've done for the culture and what you've done for us. I really appreciate you, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, once again, you know who it is. It's the big guy with the big show, the Lord. Nelson, that is, from the podcast Live and Live with the Lord on the CMS Network with five Royals Entertainment. And my special guest, one of the great ones, the icon, legendary, Raheem, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate you. God bless. <laughs> Said lightning can't strike in the same place twice, trailblaze the game, made for life, stayed nice, yet you rate the top 50, and don't mention my name, when I was dope before crack cocaine, bromaine before the fever, before Missy's first misdemeanor, before runs, first pair of Adidas, I got Gitas and I pop, 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 heaters and stop dealers, on my block was the first hot willer, cause I got Skrilla, not pillar done got Rilla, for shot killer, don't come blaming the top biller, blue shows for 30, for the South got dirty, for James, all y'all cats was worthy, you heard me before Hover, cop the platinum Range Rover before KRS told y'all the bridge was over. I kept a bankroll, fly chick, thick chain. I rob and getting cheese like this is Rick James till a script change. I'm a spit flame, dick and ditch dames on the bandwagon till I switch lanes and hitch planes where I hit rich dames that was glittered up before most of y'all was old enough to even get a nut. And I hit the block, split it up, cop the quarter of rock, went to the fever, sniffed it up before thugs was trendy, before it was for the love of the game. 
color Not just for the love of the Benjis I reminisce on how I love the Rennie Put flame to the spliff Now I'm sipping on a mug full of Henny Was a simpler time Cash in the hand was meant for mine Back then my motto was pimp or die Before Kurt tried blow Before anyone heard of 504 Left birds chirping with the high pro Turn it up. You're listening to Live and Loud with the Lord, Nelson, that is.